At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 242. Okay, jumping in. Hello, my sexy, spooky friends. I've listened to you guys for around a year now, and I just love y'all. As an introvert, it's like getting to hang out with my besties without ever having to leave my house. Thank you for always making me laugh and giving me something macabre and hilarious to listen to, whether I'm at work, cleaning house, volunteering, or in the shower. Now that my gushing and blabbing are mostly done, I'll get to my story. Back in December of 2014, I had just kicked my horribly abusive boyfriend out of our house. It was one of the hardest things I'd ever done. Not just because of the concern for my own safety and the safety of my child and pets, which he always threatened that he'd kill if I ever made him leave, but we also had custody of his two children, ages four and five. I'd had them with me since they were two years old, and the youngest was only three weeks old, and I loved them as my own. I was devastated not having them in my life, but I knew that it had to be done the night I found out that all the times he claimed to be working late and I was home with the kids, he was taking our babysitter out on cute little dates and sleeping with her in her parents' home. That's so gross. I could honestly write a whole book about that relationship, but that's not what the story's about. Without a doubt, I was at the lowest point in my life. I had just bought a house in May With enough bedrooms for all of us, a huge yard, a pond, woods to explore, it was my little dream house. But those aren't the only reasons this was my dream house. This was my dream house because it had always been my aunt and uncle's home. We'll call them Aunt Dee and Uncle Ken, not their real names. Their home was the place we always gathered for Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, and birthdays. I'd spent every holiday in their house playing with my cousins, helping my meemaw and aunt cook in the kitchen while the men watched football in the living room, opened gifts on Christmas morning, and had Easter egg hunts in their yard. I even had my baby showers in their house way back in 2001. My son and I visited almost every Sunday to have lunch with my aunt and uncle. Then tragedy struck my favorite little house and two favorite people in the whole world. My Aunt Dee and my Uncle Ken. On September 30th, 2010, I was called into the office at work by my neighbor. He was a security guard at the hospital I work at, but also the chief of the local fire department, and he was there to inform me that my aunt and uncle's house had caught fire, and Uncle Ken and their little dog Bella had not made it out. Aunt Dee was at work and had escaped it all. But believe me when I say that the rest of her heart died with my uncle that day, this lady, who is sweet as sugar and tough as nails, has been through more than anyone's fair share of trauma. What I didn't mention earlier is that she and Uncle Ken had lost a son to suicide in this house back in 1999. That just about did them both in, but they pushed on for their other child and grandchildren, as tough as it was for them to do. 
After the fire, Aunt Dee salvaged what she could from the structure of the house and rebuilt it exactly as it had been. We threw a big party and helped her refurnish and decorate her new old home. She moved back in but didn't live here for very long before she decided that this was no longer the home she once knew and loved. She announced that she was selling it. I had no idea how I was going to do it, but I knew that I had to buy it. With both mine and the abuse's ex-income, we were able to make it happen, but barely. My aunt was thrilled and bent over backwards to accommodate any and everything the bank asked for her to do to make my first home buying experience come to fruition. Just before I moved in, she told me that she felt the presence of Uncle Ken, and especially their son in the house after she moved back in. She told me to expect to find dimes all over the house and in unexpected places in my daily goings-on, and that she thought that these were from my cousin. I guess she just wanted me to know in case I experienced anything unusual. As she knows, I'm extremely woo-woo spiritual, in touch with nature and other planes and the paranormal. We moved in on a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. As everyone took a break from unpacking, I laid in the living room floor in the place where my uncle had passed and spoke to him and my cousin. Out loud, I told them both that I loved them and I missed them so badly, and if their spirits were still in the house, to please stay with me. I felt their warmth come over me, and it was the affirmation I was hoping for. But that isn't spooky enough for this podcast. Oh, no. So here comes the part that this whole book I've written to you has been building up to. Okay, so I've kicked the babysitter boinking dickweed out, which felt amazing. After years of his physical and emotional abuse, gaslighting, and cheating, but then came the crushing reality of what else it meant. I missed his children like I'd miss losing a limb. There was no way I could make my house payment without his help. This house had only wood heat, and I'd need to be splitting logs and bringing them in to keep the firewood stove going. I would need to get a second job in the evenings and on weekends to be able to keep paying for the house. So I wiped the tears and snot from my face, and I went and got a part-time job at the grocery store, even though it meant my son would be with my parents until 11 o'clock at night, and I'd rarely see him with me working 15-hour days between both jobs. And this new schedule of mine threw a wrench in keeping the fire going to keep the house warm. There was no way that I could make it happen with me being gone for so many hours. So I bought a couple of portable infrared heaters to keep my son's room warm, and I'd just tough it out. And let me tell you, it sucks to work that many hours and to come home and have to sleep in your bedroom that's only 40 degrees. That, or have to start a fire at 11 p.m. and stay up for a few hours trying to get it burning good when you have to get up at 5 a.m. for your day job. It was a luxury to be able to put the heaters in my bedroom when my son was with his dad, even though I missed him like crazy when he was gone. This all became a little too much for your homegirl to handle. I was an exhausted, emotional mess. I cried all the time. I was freezing. I was starving. I was going insane, and I began fantasizing about ending it all. I knew I couldn't put my son through that, but it was a battle when so much of my time, I just wanted to be carried off in the arms of death and lie in peace and rest for all eternity. I sure don't have to tell you, too, that extremely stressful times like these or when the veil can often become thin. I know that's why I experienced this terrifying encounter when I did. It had been a normal, boring night at the grocery store. I clocked out at 10.30-ish p.m. and headed home. On my drive there, I could barely keep my eyes open. I was dreaming of rolling my son's two heaters into my room and crawling into my bed as it was one of my solo nights with the kiddo at his dad's. 
As I rounded the sharp curve just before my driveway, I see something red moving in my peripheral vision that makes me look over towards my house. I see that there is a person, a red person, standing on my roof right beside the chimney, and it's beckoning me with one hand. The only way I can describe this thing is that it looked very similar to the pictures you see in anatomy books of the musculatory system. It was blood-red human figure, smooth and hairless, almost like an animated mannequin. I was beyond terrified, but I was just a little more exhausted than terrified, and the thought of my warm bedroom just gave me courage. I kept repeating to myself, you did not just see that, you did not just see that. As I pulled into my driveway, jumped out of the car, and ran like Usain Bolt to my front door, slamming it and locking the deadbolt once I was safely inside. Because ghosts, cryptids, and or demons have to respect locked doors as a boundary, right? Since then, all the paranormal happenings have been a lot more benevolent. A landline phone ringing incessantly for a whole day, even though there isn't one in my house, and once I saw a pair of men's legs and feet walking around the corner of my house. I like to think that Uncle Ken and my cousin are here keeping all the negative spirits away from me. After kicking the turd of an ex out, I ended up dating a whole gaggle of garbage guys because, well, honestly, I had daddy issues. But after finding a wonderful therapist and being prescribed Lexapro, I finally began working on myself and healing. I began to really thrive for the first time in my life. This in turn led me to realize that a longtime friend was a super kind, intelligent, and thoughtful man, the exact opposite of what I was normally attracted to, and wondered why I hadn't given him a chance before. So the next time we were hanging out, I went for it and kissed him. He had previously made it clear that this was welcome. From that night on, we were a couple. Without question, no doubt, I knew I'd found the one. We made it legal on March 13th, 2022, and we now have a crazy abundant life with 10 cats, a dog, a turtle, four sons between us, I don't use the word step, two beautiful granddaughters, Magnolia and Molly Ann from our oldest. My husband celebrates and encourages my egocentricities and even joins me in most of them. I am loved and appreciated and nurtured in every way. More than anything, I'm positive that the spirits of my loved ones bask in the light of all this love we have created in my favorite little house. If you made it this far, thank you guys for reading my long, twisty, turny tale. It is proof that sometimes even ghost stories have happily ever afters. Love and light, Amber. Congrats finding your soulmate. I know. That's so awesome. Sometimes you got to go through hell to get to, I don't know, heaven, question mark. But (laughs) I completely understand. And I'm super happy for you. Yeah. But what about that red person? And then that you had a phone ring that you don't even have. Yeah, that one. I was like, I wish you could see my eyes when I read that sentence. Yeah. And a pair of legs. No, no, no. And I, too, have daddy issues. (laughs) I get it. Also, that's really cool that you got to buy that house that meant so much to you. And now you're growing your family there and, you know, all of that. That's really cool. I know. I wanted to buy my grandma's house so bad. And I did everything I could to buy it. But it just was not in the cards. Like, it just did not work out with the amount of work that it needed. But now every time I drive by it, because I just do every so often, and I look and I'm like, they did exactly what I wanted to do to it. Yeah. But, like, I still have dreams that I will, like, sneak into the house to see what they have done to it. And, like, in my dream, it will be, like, they knocked the wall down I wanted to knock out. They did, you know, all the things. Yeah. 
And it's it's so bizarre. Anyway. I know. Well, that's so funny because I had to go that way like not too long ago. And I was like, oh, gosh, just like from the outside, like the front porch area and stuff. But I was like, I wonder what they did with that bedroom that you had to go through to get to the other bedroom. Yes. I'm like, God, I just want to knock and be like, hey, um, so I've been in this house before and I just want to know how you redid it. <laughs> right. Can you just show me like what all you did? That <laughs> swear I'm not casing the joint. I swear. Okay, the next one. Heroic nine-year-old. Hi, call me Kay. I just went back to the early days of the podcast, listening to Sinister Sightings, and y'all mentioned you couldn't be moms because you would have to deal with the scary shit. Episode seven, maybe. Well, I have three children, nine, five, and three, and we just moved into our new house. It's just the kids and me, their dads at work. The five and three-year-old and myself are eating supper, and the nine-year-old is asleep on the upstairs living room couch. The youngest two ask me what that noise is. I have my earbuds in listening to y'all. So I had to listen for a minute and we hear this shh, shh noise coming from the downstairs living room. Split level home, so many stairs. I go to the top of the stairs and I, for the life of me, cannot make myself go down there. And I'm embarrassed as all get out to say this, but I woke up my nine-year-old son. You're the man in the house at the moment. Go see what it is. I got your back because mama's a chicken. So much for that concealed carry I have. My brave boy walks down the stairs right over to his phone. Yes, he has a phone. Sad story. Picks it up and turns it off. Y'all. Somehow his phone was playing the shushing noises. I sent my son, my sweet baby, to protect us from a fucking phone. I'm glad that's all it was. I definitely would have jumped in there had it been a person, but I'm out when it comes to the paranormal. Not to mention that little shit and his cousin done tried to summon demons in the house, and boy, you got to deal with them consequences. Don't judge too harshly. I'm protective of my children. Just ask the horrid teacher who fucked with him, because in small towns, even the teachers are bullies. Love you, Kay. I mean, I'd do the same thing. Hey, every kid for themselves, man. Honestly, I probably wouldn't have woke him up, but I would have been like to the youngest one, hey, go hide and seek down there and see what you see. (laughs) (laughs) And also, yes, teachers can be bullies. But I'm with you. If those kids summon a demon, then it's on them. Right? Natural consequences. (laughs) That's the only way to learn. Okay, the next one. Sinister sightings. Okay, not really sinister or a sighting, but I wanted to share this with you. Hello, Carrie and Donna. I would appreciate if my name was not mentioned because I'm paranoid, I guess. Well, we can't run out of stories. In today's episode, you mentioned that you were up to May in listener stories, and I thought, gosh dang, Carrie maybe has some point. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you hate it when she's right? (laughs) So I decided to get off my sofa and put my self-conscious aside and send the damn email. I'm skipping the fangirl part because you know how much we all love you and what you do. I'm from Scandinavia, and English is not my first language, and I'm too lazy to look up the correct spellings. I mean, you'll probably get it, right? I'm a dental hygienist, and I work for one of the oldest dental clinics in a large city. My boss took over the clinic after his dad and his grandfather, so he basically grew up at that place. The dad got rapidly sick with dementia, and my boss had no choice but to take over, maybe a little sooner than planned. The grandfather also suffered from dementia at a young age. 
The grandfather bought the dental clinic very cheap because the former dentist hung himself in the staff lounge. Yep, where I eat my lunch every day. In at least four generations, it's been a dental clinic, and a lot of people hate going to the dentist. And I feel like maybe dentists in the 1920s weren't all too concerned about pain relief. I know it's not the same as a mental facility, graveyard, or mortician practice, but I think about maybe bad energy from painful experiences hanging around within the walls. I've not experienced any paranormal activity, but multiple of the dental assistants have walked in at 7 o'clock in the morning with the radio blasting at high volume in every clinic room. There are five. It's not likely the person who closed forgot every single radio. Oh, and jacked the sound way up before leaving. A lot of unexpected, at least to my stupid ass, glitches happen with x-rays, turning up in other patients' files, the freezing of newly installed computers, and things disappearing and reappearing. Luckily, it's not my job to close the place at night, but I have worked overtime after hours alone, and I do not care for turning off all the lights walking down the long hall, only hearing the echoes of my steps. We have an ancient intercom system, and I just stare at the thing when I'm there alone, hoping no demon voice will come through telling me to fuck right off. I thought about doing the coin thing. You take a paper and a coin and draw a circle around the coin and place it somewhere only you know. Ask if any spirits can move the coin, but only if they want to. I would probably add if I had the guts to do it. Anyway, that's my not very spooky story, and I will understand if it doesn't make the cut into an episode. P.S. Donna, I'm working on my motivational dental art where the floss is strangling the tooth because floss is the boss. P.P.S. Carrie, yes, dentures are very gross. I close my eyes when I clean them. Well, it comes with a job, you know? I would love to hear your thoughts, XOXO, from me. I can definitely see that there's just like residual energy hanging on. Oh, for sure. And I mean, You said, like, somebody literally died there. Right. A traumatic, horrible death. Well, but you're right. A lot of people are scared of the dentist. Like, my brother was, like, sweaty, and I had went with him to go to his dental, like, thing, just to get, like, the consultation and everything. So, all of that emotion, hell yeah. I completely believe that there's some kind of imprint left in those kind of spaces. Yeah, Colby doesn't like it either. It's it's like a, a true fear for him, too. When it's your dad's clinic like that, do you have to buy him out? Or is it just, like, given to you, I wonder? Yeah, I don't know. Because if that money from that clinic would have gone to, like, your mom, like, is it, how does that work? I don't know. I don't own anything. <laughs> Neither did my parents. <laughs> Mine didn't either. I know my mom's, like, since my dad passed and all talked about, like, we know who's in charge of what and all of that. And somebody was saying to her at her little exercise class that she needs to get a will and she's like why i don't i don't own anything (laughs) like the house is what she owns and it's already in a trust now like because y'all know how the states are with medicaid and blah 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 blah. so it's like already in a trust like there's nothing that she's like i have nothing yeah here's a random question but what station do y'all have it on or like do y'all have it on just different ones because i always like to know like what what other people listen to all the time. Because sometimes it's like, Caleb. Yes, I was going to say, every dentist office around here is on a Christian station. <laughs> or sometimes they have um, the TV going and it'll be like the Today Show or something if I go there early enough. And it's just like always on, you know. 
All right, the next one, Curse of the Furby. When my daughter was an infant, like six months old, my ex-wife won a mini Furby in a Facebook raffle. We decided to give it to her as a stocking stuffer. So for the first month or so, it was no big deal. After Christmas, the Furby got the tag removed so my infant daughter could play with it. The funny noises entertained her a bit, but it wasn't made for infants, so that didn't last long. Eventually, less than a week later, it gets put in her room, which at the time was being used for diaper changes only. We were co-sleeping with the bassinet since she was still being breastfed. Occasionally, we would hear the Furby go off, and we assumed it was its voice recognition accidentally being kicked off while we were in the living room doing whatever. After several weeks of it going off randomly during the day, we were woken up by it going off in the middle of the night. Yes, woken up. Not only was it louder than normal, the house was totally silent, so nothing should have kicked it off. I immediately took the batteries out of the device. It went off right after I did that, but I assumed it was a capacitor just draining itself. Boy, was I wrong. The next day, it went off again. I confirmed the battery was not in the toy. Immediately, my wife snatches it out of my hand and sticks it in the bottom of the trash bag and demanded I take it out. This was on a Wednesday, and I know it was on a Wednesday because our trash is picked up on Tuesdays. And for the next week, anytime I put anything in the trash can, and sometimes just getting out of my car, the cursed Furby would go off. Feel free to use my name. As a white, straight, passing male, I'm privileged enough to not have to worry about people knowing who I am, Jeremiah. Oh, yeah, the capacitor draining. That's exactly what I thought it was, too. <laughs> the fuck is a capacitor? Fuck if I know. I don't have the capacitor to understand what a capacitor is. Well, it would have been great if you said capacity to No, understand. I know. Well, that was what the point was. But it was bad. Oh, you're dead to me. God. I don't have the capacitor. I was stupid. I'm stupid. I had a Furby and, you know, because that was all the rage. And I wanted it so badly. I got it. My sister had gotten one uh, because, you know, that's just who she was. She wanted it to because we wanted it to talk to each other. And, you know, you were supposed to be able to teach them words and all the things. My Furby never really learned words because it was just in the buffet that we had. Like, we called it a buffet, but it's like like a hutch. And they would talk to each other in a language, and then we had to turn them off because it was freaky as fuck. Just like voices coming from the beyond. No, thank you. They would like blink and stuff too, don't they? Oh, I don't know about that. Their eyes, don't their eyes open and close? Yeah. I just said they would blink, you don't know they? What I, I don't meant? know. I thought you meant like with light. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I really, I was like, I don't know if it blinked. Yeah, they blink, don't they? I don't know. Their eyes don't open close. Yeah, they do. Okay, so a blink happens when your yeah, eyes right. open and close. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, the light, there's no light to blink on and off. What the fuck? Remember the first time I ever heard the word blink, too. <laughs> you know what? I don't have the capacitor to understand <laughs> it. Too shame. Okay, the next one. How I ruined ghost hunting for my nephew. So to start, I need to explain the setup of the house we lived in. When you walked into the front door, you were on the right side of the house and you entered the living room with the kitchen directly behind it. To the left was the bedroom doorway. The left side had two bedrooms and a bathroom. 
What made it weird was the middle bedroom only had two ways to enter from the first bedroom or the bathroom. So we made this the kids' room, four and six at the time. Okay, now to what happened. I walked into the bathroom while chit-chatting with my mom, who was in the kitchen, and made a lot of noise. I was washing my hands, and I could hear the kids playing Ghost Hunter in their room. Ethan, who was six, absolutely loved the show and wanted so badly to be a ghost hunter. We bought him all the basic gear, headlamp, recorder, etc. Now, I was sure they had heard me in the bathroom. So I walked over to the door that leads to their room and rattled the handle and said, Woo! in my most ghastly voice. Suddenly, I hear the loudest shrieks I have ever heard those two make and what sounded like a herd of elephants charging into the living room. I was laughing so hard I was crying and bent at the waist. When I finally got myself together enough to walk to the living room, I had two incredibly pissed off kids staring me down and my mother was wiping tears from her face as well. Needless to say, to this day, Ethan is now 21 and neither kid has ever ghost hunted again. The house was for sure haunted, but I'm pretty sure the ghost lived upstairs in the converted attic with me. Thanks for reading Creep It Real, Jenny. I fucking love that. Being scared, like, and getting scared and scaring other people is really one of my favorite pastimes. Oh, gosh. My sister does that a lot with my niece and my nephew. They scare each other, and they get in and out, too. Like, they will intentionally scare you as well, and it makes me laugh so hard. Marley scares me a lot, like, if I'm on the computer, because she's normally asleep on the, like, the bed beside me, and so that's just where she is. But then I won't hear her get down. And then I just feel something like brush against my leg or I just see something white out of the corner of my eye. Yeah. And I'm like, ghost. <laughs> like, oh, God. Not your white dog. Ghost. But, but also it's because I'm playing a ghost hunting game. And so I'm like in it. And then she freaks me the fuck out. But God, I would have loved to see your kids. Like they were like, holy fuck. And then what the fuck? But I love that you thought, oh, they've gr- they're going to hear me and it's just going to be a joke. Like, you you know what I mean? Like, you were trying to scare them, but not actually scare them because, oh, they heard me. They're right. not going to think it's, you know, whatever. But no. Oh, God. All right, y'all. Last one. Hello, ladies. Longtime listener. Second time sending in a sinister sighting. However, I don't think you received my first one because I never heard it being read. I apologize in advance if there's any typos or if something doesn't make sense. I'm a single mom with a toddler and an infant, so I'll be surprised if I can type this without being interrupted. Okay, so we did look because I was reading this and I remembered the story and then I remembered the second story. So we have read them. I don't know which sinister sightings they were on. But one was about Jean Simmons in a dream, and the other was about her grandma and her grandma's friend. So we have read them, though. But again, I don't know which episode. So I'm going to start from where I don't remember. So here we go. I've always been sensitive. My first memory of seeing a spirit was at my aunt's house in my cousin's room. And she had went to go ask her dad a question, leaving me there. I realized that there was a man in the room with me in a veteran's uniform, standing so perfectly as they're supposed to. I got a wave of his memories. It flooded my mind so vividly that I started crying, 
and saying my grandpa died in the war because the last two memories were him laying in with other corpses around him dying, thinking about his family. And then I saw his daughter and her husband holding a newborn baby. He was gone the moment my cousin came running into the room. I felt like I needed to share his story before he could move on, and I helped him do that. Carrie, this one's for you. I'm not going into a lot of details because I genuinely don't remember a whole lot thanks to my trauma response as a child. It's a blessing and a curse considering my memory has severely been impacted. Anywho, when I was a child, I was in the church choir and we practiced every week the same day and time. Well, I was probably in third grade at the time considering my cousins from the story last told still lived in town. Anywho, my grandma dropped me off at the church and let me know she would pick me up after and that our minister would be there any minute and should already be inside. Well, the church was locked and I sat on the stairs and waited a good while. Probably not that long considering I wasn't that old and have ADHD before deciding I was going to find my grandma who told me that she had some errands to run. Well, I walked through town back to my cousin's, which may sound horrible, but it was a small town and it was a two to five minute walk depending on which way I took. Well, our car was outside my cousin's house, but I could see my aunt and uncle weren't home. Grands also said that she was getting Donna some flowers for something. So I had two voices having full-on conversation with me, and I swear it was a demon or the devil, something evil, and Jesus. Ultimately, the good voice was telling me to go to my aunt's house. However, the other voice was telling me to go check the flower shop first because it would only be my older cousin home, and he's been pissed and probably would make me wait outside or send me back to the church alone. Well, the bad voice won my thoughts because logically I could check the shop and if she wasn't there, I could go back to my aunt's house because she would most likely be there or on her way to the car from the post office. All these businesses were on the main strip, the same as my cousin's house, so I could see everything from her house or the businesses. Well, the flower shop ladies wouldn't let me leave when I asked if my grandma was there and forced me to tell them why I was asking told me I was lost, and I'm pretty positive locked the door and gave me a Kit Kat. The manager told me that she would walk me to the church when they closed, and if my grandma wasn't there, then she would take me home to her house. Not even offering to call my grandma or ask if I knew our number, which I did. So I thought of escape plans. If she had sent me to school, I'd have went on the bus home and confessed everything that had happened. Well, I had thought about how to escape rooms and hoped if she kept bringing me to her work, one of my grandma's friends would come in and recognize me and take me home. I was terrified. You have no idea. They even kept watching my aunt's house and watching my grandma leave in our car, knowing that was my car because I told them. You guys, you have no idea how relieved I was when my grandma was standing on the porch of the church because I really don't think she would have let me go on inside to safety. I never told my grandma what happened. She never asked and was just relieved I was okay. She made me do the choir practice, which was the last thing I wanted to do, and I tried not to cry during it. I really wish I did tell her. I really wish that lady was charged. Worst of all, she lived right beside the church, so it was a constant reminder of the trauma from almost being kidnapped. Thank you for reading and being great. I love you, ladies. You really feel like my family, and I love the space you've created for us. Amanda B. from Canada.
So at first, the lady thought, like, it seemed like she would be nice. But then it was like that she was keeping you there, like, not letting you go, not calling for help. That's weird. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad it all turned out okay. I'll tell you what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't want to go to a flower shop anymore. (laughs) I don't want to now. I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. No, and they're expensive. Her parents had like a little nursery one time and I was helping them. And don't know why I was helping them because what did I know? But I think I was just schlepping shit places every so often. But it was right around Mother's Day. So I bought my mom this little potted plant. It was literally like $15. And I bought it with like, I guess, the little money I made. And she was so mad at me for wasting my money on a plant. That this were her words. Wasting money on a plant that she ain't going to be able to keep alive. <laughs> I was like, damn, I got in trouble for getting her a gift. Right. Give me my $15 back. <laughs> I mean, it died. Nice plant, though. <laughs> it just can't survive the wrath of an Easterling woman. Ugh. I feel bad. Thank y'all so much for sending in all of these stories. Y'all know I'm still worried we're going to run out because we're coming towards the end of the year and into the story. So keep them coming. Send them in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.